So there we go, from 1970, the smash hit that was Band of Gold, still on rotation uh, in the UK and across Europe, definitely. So, singer, songwriter, actress, TV personality, Frida Payne, welcome to England. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm always, it's always a pleasure to be uh, coming back to the UK. Yeah, you've been several times, haven't you? Oh, yeah, I started... I see, the first time I came to the UK was in 1965, and uh, that was when I was basically a cabaret, you know, doing cabaret uh-huh. then. And then after that, I think the next time I, I came back, I had had uh, a hit record, yeah. which was Band of Gold. Not Yeah, great, big, big record. I mean, that was the track that actually shot you to stardom in 1970. It was number one over here for six consecutive weeks, number three in the States. Right. But that's, I mean, that, you'd already been recording for the best part of ten years, wasn't it? Well, I, yeah, I would say a good eight years, if not ten, right. But, yeah, but I mean, what that track must have changed your life overnight. Made my name much more more like a household name Absolutely. rather than who? Bush. <laughs> you know, I had been doing stuff already. I had been performing in supper clubs and cabaret clubs. Yeah, uh, I guess from the time I was maybe eighteen, mm-hmm. and uh, I was more like a jazz singer. Ca- yeah, I was more cabaret. And partially jazz, but cabaret, you know, mostly cabaret. Uh-huh. And because uh, I sang with some big bands and some very famous big bands, I got a chance to sing with Duke Ellington's orchestra. And uh, this was back in, wow, about 1961. Wow. And I mean, then Duke- I got a chance to work with, on a, a couple of occasions, with Quincy Jones' big yes, band. I know. Brilliant. And uh, that was in New- in the States, in New York and Chicago. And then I got to work with Lionel Hampton mm. and his band. Great stuff. I mean, and, I'm a writer uh, thinking we Duke Ellington. In Sorry. Vegas and places like that. And that was in 64. So by the time I'd, I, I was living in New York, and I had an old buddy of mine by the name of Brian Holland he and his brother Eddie, mm-hmm. Eddie and Brian Holland, and then Lamont Dozier, who was a, a former schoolmate of mine. We were in middle school together, and Brian, I had had a class with him in high school, so we were. I was very familiar with them, and I knew that they had become very successful as songwriter-producers with Motown. That's right, yeah. Uh, and it just so happens that Brian was visiting in New York, and this was around 68, yeah, 68, and uh, he just happened to be visiting a, f- a mutual friend of ours, and uh, and what happened was uh, he told, you know, he, they called me, and he's asked me what was I doing, what was I up to, and and it turned out uh, that he said, we're starting our own label. We're, we just left Motown. We're starting a label. We called it Invictus. Yep. And uh, maybe you might want to come with us. <laughs> wow. And I said, why not? You know, so I, I, they flew me back to, I went back to Detroit and uh, signed contracts. And we started going in the studio and record. They started recording me and... And uh, the rest was history. Absolutely. A Band of Gold was a huge smash on both sides of the Atlantic with an LP behind it. Your follow-up single was Deeper and Deeper. Let's have a listen. (laughs) 
That must have been a really exciting time because Invictus had got so much energy and so much... I mean, the Holland-Dozier-Holland songwriting partnership were so successful at Motown. Um, so what yeah. was it like to be part of that at the very beginning? Say that again? What was it like to be part of that project at the very beginning? Oh, it must in have the been... beginning. Oh, in the beginning, it was very interesting. It was, it was something I kind of had felt in my gut that I was doing the right thing. And, and here's the whole deal. I decided I wasn't going to try to sing my style like the mm -hmm. jazz style. Yeah. I said to myself, you know, when I go in the studio, I'm going to do exactly, I'm going to follow directions, and I'm going to do exactly as they tell me. If mm -hmm. they want me to sing a certain way or, you know, don't hold the note so long, or don't uh, have any vibrato, or have vibrato, whatever they tell me to do, I'm going to do it. Excellent. It certainly and paid that's what I did. It certainly paid off, because you got two gold singles, didn't you? I got two gold singles, correct. Um, Band of Gold, yeah, of course, and Bring off, the Boys certainly. Home. Shall we have a listen? I was going to say, did you come from a musical family? Because Sherry, your sister, is uh, one of the 70s Supremes, isn't she? She's still co In fact, she's she coming is. to uh, she's coming to England Sherry in January. Sherry was the replacement when Jean Terrell left mm -hmm. the group, who was the lead singer after... She came right after Diana Ross. Yeah. And it was Jean Terrell, and she had several hits singing with the group. And then when she left, uh, Mary Wilson hired Sherry, mm -hmm. and then Sherry became... Uh, she was signed to Motown as well as she was signed as a, a lead singer. Wow. And she did a heck of a job. She was, Absolutely. She was really, really good at that, you know, and she kind of, it was like baptismal by fire in a <laughs> sense, you know, because she had to kind of jump right in and start right. learning all the songs and then not, not only learning songs, but learning choreography as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you, you went to um, school in Detroit. Did you always have a passion for performing because you took ballet and dance and learned piano? Well, what happened was... Uh, I never had a passion for performing until I discovered that I, uh, I, I it, it all started with me take my mother putting Sherry and I into ballet classes okay. when I was 12, when we started, you know, going to ballet, and, and that kind of introduced me to the dance world. Right. And then we only did it uh, for two years, and then in high school, uh, by the time I turned, I think it was 13 or 14, I was in high school, and there was a modern dance club, a right. modern dance class that we got credits for. And I, I, of course, signed up for that one. And my dancing experience, you know, continued all through high school until I was 16. And uh, But by the time I was uh, 13, I realized that I had, a, I had a singing voice. And I didn't know that... Uh, I really didn't think I had any special talent until I was 12, and when my music, my piano teacher said, Frida, you have a lovely voice, and you should sing. And, and at the next recital, she um, gave me a song to sing as a, so, as a solo artist. And from that point on, everybody was so surprised and shocked wow. that I could sing, because at that time, Sherry was the one that was doing all the singing, because mm -hmm. she was the gregarious, outgoing person, and... <laughs> And always, you know, like volunteering to sing, and she was very, you know, active yeah. and and creative and very smart. And 
and I was the shy one. I was the very shy one. I kind of like always would hide and or go mm-hmm. go someplace else and not become uh, visible, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when when everybody discovered that I could sing, and I was twelve by the time I turned thirteen, I decided I wanted to enter a talent contest uh-huh. that was on TV in Detroit, and the talent contest was sort of like American Bandstand, you know, All with right. Dick Clark. The only difference is that they had that they had the couples, the kids dancing to the latest pop music, and and they also featured uh, an entertainer who's a, a name that was performing in in the Detroit area, mm-hmm. and uh, and then they had a fifteen minute segment where they had a talent contest, and it would only be four four artists, four um, you know talent. Um, people performing yeah and i went to audition for it and they chose me to be on the on the show and i won excellent as a matter of fact i took a picture with sammy davis jr who was the who was the headliner that that particular day and uh, i still have that picture it's an eight by ten black and white of me and i was 13 certainly something and i got what you got when you won you you got a trophy yeah. And a record player. <laughs> and then after that, it, about six months later, they called me back to do it, to like, you know, like participate in the mm-hmm. contest again. And I won the second time. Wow. And so it was great. I'm not surprised you were winning talent shows with a rich voice like this. From 1963, I'm going to play I Wish I Knew next. What a beautiful voice. And from that point on, that's when I started piquing the interest of Barry Gordy Jr., who was just yes. kind of like starting to, you know, seek out artists. Uh, he had not formed Motown yet, and but yet, but at the time, he had written a couple of hits for Jackie Wilson. Yes. And, uh, but and he was, I guess, hungry and, and anxious to to go further with it. So he was looking for talent, and he wanted to sign me. He wrote he wrote uh, actually four songs for me. Okay. We went in and recorded them at a stu- at a, a recording studio in Detroit. It was called United Sound. Yes. He wrote the songs, and then he, you know, we went to New York, and you know, he was seeking out, I guess, trying to get a, a placement for it. And by the time we got back to Detroit, my he and my mother could not come to terms about certain things yeah. in the contracts, and she didn't agree, and he wouldn't, and he wouldn't bud. He he stuck to his guns about what he wanted, and he would not change anything. So my mother said, "Oh, you can't manage my daughter; she okay. won't, you know, work with you." And that was it. But you know, it's a funny thing how life is. You know, we we I mean, we're everybody. Whenever I see him, we hug and. <laughs> And everything is is okay. It's like I'm, you know, with the Gordies, I'm sort of like uh, part of the family in a way. But uh, it's just that you, your life goes. You take different. You of take course. different routes. You take different roads. Yeah, you never know where your choice is going to take your uh, all circumstances. Um, but just right. a couple of years later, you uh, you left the family nest to go on tour with the Pearl Bailey Review. Pearl Bailey was massive. How did you come to meet her? Oh God, yeah, you're right, Pearl Bailey. Back in those days, 
We're talking about 1959, yeah. 1960, and the 50s, and the 60s. Pearl Bailey was huge. Yeah. She was a super, superstar. And especially being an African American yeah. woman of color, and she was married to a white man, and um, she was in, she did film, she did uh, you know television, she did uh, Broadway, and she did it all. Wow! I mean, yeah. that must have been an education in itself. What was it like performing with uh, an artist of that caliber? Did she take you under your, under her wing, or I was? Did you watch well, from a distance. Well, she was kind of. She was a little. She was nice, but she wasn't that nice. Okay. <laughs> Put it that way. Okay. She was nice because I auditioned for it. You know, I had to audition, and yes. there were and and I was the only, let's say, none professional at the audition. There were right. other, all the other people who auditioned. They were professionals, and I was hired as a background singer. Okay. I was hired as a back. She was in Detroit with her tour, the Pearl Bailey Review, mm -hmm. and they just happened to one of the background singers dropped out. And so while they were there, I think for a whole week, and then so a friend of ours who was our neighbor and an attorney as well, who was uh, my one of my, he was a, a good friend of my parents, he happened to meet Pearl Bailey's road manager at a cocktail party, and he started telling him about me. Yeah. And so they arranged that I would come to the audition, like every, with their, the other people, and I'm the one that got the part. Excellent. I'm the one that was hired. Excellent. So it was almost, and it was crazy because uh, it was like two days later I was on the bus. Yeah. Yeah, it must have been quite an intensive yeah. tour, but it certainly paid off because um, you came to the attention of ABC Records, didn't you? And uh, they cut Absolutely. you an album. Cut your first solo yeah, well, LP in 1962. Right, that was, that album, uh, uh, 1962, it was uh, my first album was with Impulse, which was a mm -hmm. jazz subsidiary to ABC Paramount, but my initial contract, I was signed with ABC Paramount, and my first single was a song called Slightly Out of Tune. Yeah, Desafinado. Yeah, it was Desafinado, yeah. you know, the original, the original Stan Getz hit. Mm -hmm. Shall we give it a spin? Lovely record. So I did the single, and then right after that, they asked, they wanted, they put me on Impulse, the jazz label, mm. and that's when I recorded an album entitled "After the Lights Go Down Low" and much more. Yeah, and it was a great LP. In fact, it's been re-released twice, hasn't it? In Japan in two thousand and two, oh. back in the US in two thousand and five. So that certainly yeah. stood the test of time. So the band, like I, I mentioned, Pearl's husband. Um, being Caucasian, it was Louis Belson. It was Louis Belson and his big band. He was, he was the big band that played behind that uh, supported the show, and that was a thrill right there. Yeah, I bet. You know, working with the big band and on the road with Pearl Bailey, and I'm singing background, and it was just great. It was sort of like it was sort of like a dream. I felt like I was in a dream. Yeah, I mean, you um, you say about big bands. You spoke about Quincy Jones earlier, another man with a long and glittering career. That must have been just to be in his presence. That must have been inspiring. Well, back then we're talking early sixties, around sixty two, sixty three. This was when I met Quincy. It was around sixty two, six about sixty sixty two or sixty three. Mm -hmm. And then he wasn't anywhere as enormous as he is now, or what he became, you know, yeah. in the last 25 years or 30 years. He was on the horizon right. of becoming 
a very successful, great musician with a big band. And when I met him, I was introduced to him, and, and, they, and the person that introduced us said, this guy is going places. <laughs> You're going to want to know him. You know, maybe you can do, he can do something, or you can work with him or something. And it all worked out, and I did work with him. You did. You went on tour with him, didn't you? Along with the Four Tops and Billy Eckstein? Yep, that's correct. It was Billy Eckstein was the headliner because Billy Eckstein was was a superstar. He was yeah. huge back then. Yeah. And so the Four Tops, they were just we were just we were the Four Tops and I we were just one of the opening acts. You know, one of the <laughs> right. acts to to make up a good a good show. Great stuff. Um, and then there was Honey Coles and Charlie Atkins. Okay. Charlie Atkins uh, later on became the head choreographer for Motown for uh, groups like, he was the main choreographer for The Temptations. Wow. Um, 1964, you came to Europe with Don Gardner. I came in 65, not 64. Oh, right, okay. Sorry, stand corrected. How was the culture different in Europe to America? Did you find a lifestyle change? How did you enjoy well, it? Well, it, it was nice. I mean... Uh, the difference I saw was, like, the currency thing, you know, like every time I changed countries, oh, yeah. I had to change currency. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, and uh, whereas now you have the euro, mm -hmm. you have the euro dollar. And, but, of course, in England, you, you guys still use you know, the pound system, Absolutely. which I, you know, which I prefer. But uh, when, I came, when I met Don Gardner, that was in Stockholm, Sweden. Yeah. And... Uh, I was, I, matter of fact, they loved me in Sweden. I was in Stockholm. I stayed there. I think it was, I was there for like about three or four months. All right. And while there, that's when um, Don Gardner and a guy by the name of Leif Madison. Okay. He was the one who was my, prim my primary sponsor there. And it was Leif Madison and Don Gardner together who produced an album on me in Stockholm, and it was called Free to Pain in Stockholm. Mm, great. Another another jazz uh, LP. You went back into the studio for MGM a year later with... Um, I did. I did, 1966. Yeah. How do you and say, I don't love you anymore? Now then, I'm going to let you into a secret. This album has got one of my favourite all-time tracks on it, and I wonder if you remember what? recording it. Uh, you did a cover of O.C. Smith's On Easy Street. What a record. That's on Easy Street? Yeah, what a record. Last track on side Wait one. Another great tune, Sad Sad September. Beautiful. Oh yes, Sad Sad September. Beautiful. When the one you love <laughs> don't love you. It's a sad, sad September. I think that was... Uh, who wrote that? Was that Frank Owens or was that Dick oh, I Ellington? Know. I don't know, I'm afraid. Don't know. But I do know it's a great track. Let's have a listen. But you were having a but great anyway, time of it, weren't you? Go back to my album to start reading the credits. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, to reacquaint myself with the credits. Yeah. Yeah, but you were a really busy lady because, as well as recording, you were doing uh, uh, and TV and radio appearances. You were also involved in the stage, weren't you? As an actress, Broadway, no less. Oh yeah. Tell in, me in about Hallelujah, baby. Sixty-seven. Mm -hmm. I was. This was in New York. I became uh, understudy for Leslie Uggams on Broadway. Yeah. And I 
of course, I was doing Leslie's role. She was the she was the uh, star, mm-hmm. and it was a lead role. And uh, I was the only understudy to to go on and do the complete show. I did it five times. Wow! And the first time I went on, I got a standing ovation. Excellent, excellent. Yes, that's a far cry from a shy girl, isn't it? It's <sighs> a far cry. <laughs> it certainly is. Yeah, yeah. And I go back. I haven't, you know, I haven't like actually worked on Broadway in a any Broadway show since then. Mm-hmm. But I've done several. Broadway hits that have toured the country, like uh, national tour and also bus and truck tours. Yeah. I've I did Duke Ellington's Sophisticated Ladies. Yes, I've done exactly six, maybe six or seven companies, different companies, including one that was done in in Italy, and then I did it in uh, Oslo, Norway, and then I've done it all over the country here in the U.S. I also did. I was in. Um, the first and the only national company of Jelly's Last Jam. All right. With Savion Glover, Savion Glover and Maurice Hines. Of course, you know, his, his brother Gregory did it on Broadway. Okay. And uh, Gregory Hines, that is. And uh, I did that one. And then I did another uh, show that I think it was off-Broadway. I don't think it went on. It was right on, but it was an off-Broadway show. But also... It it was it had performed in London uh, on the West End and had oh. won some awards. It was called The Blues in the Night. Oh, and I've done six companies of bl- different companies of Blues in the Night. So I've done a lot of theater. Excellent. Yes, you certainly I've have. Movies, I've done some movies, and uh, I've done some a, a couple of plays where I didn't sing at all, or I just did a you know just an acting role. Mm-hmm. Uh, change going to come, and then another one called The Divorce, both written by a guy named uh, Donald B. Welch, who is here now. He's from Philadelphia, but he's been here now for the last 20 years, and and he has shows, he puts on shows in uh, some of the large theater venues here. Right, right. Shortly after that, then, uh, we came to um, your Spell It Invictus. You had three, four very happy years there, um, producing three LPs, I think. Two gold records, and this gem from Holland Dozier Holland and the legendary Popcorn Wiley. Two wrongs don't make a right. And then in 1973, you decided to go to Pastures New. What drove that? Uh, Well, to tell you the truth, I mean, I hate to talk about negative things, but I was suing the record. I was suing them. Uh, because I wasn't happy with some of the uh, right. way things were going. Okay, okay, a bit of a breakdown yeah. in relationship then, because um, Lamont Dozier left around the same time, didn't he? Yes, he did. That's right, and he kind of, in a sense, took me with him. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh, although my situ- Lamont's situation was different, yeah. a little different from mine, because he was in partnership with Eddie and Brian Holland, mm-hmm. and, and of course uh, Eddie Holland was the president and basically ran the company uh, along with his attorney, Frederick Patman. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then, of course, they hired other, he hired other people to, in various yeah, positions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, there was a management company called Creative Attractions and all that. Oh, right. And, uh, yeah, so that's what that was all about. Okay. Well, you, you, yourself and uh, Lamont both found yourselves in Los Angeles 
was life... Yeah, we were, we were in Los Angeles when all this happened, and uh, Lamont mo- was moved out here, and, and he went to, a- to um, ABC. He went into uh, ABC. Mm-hmm. As did, uh-huh. as did you. Which was Dunhill, you know, ABC yeah. Dunhill. Yeah. yeah and, and, then I, and then ABC Dunhill actually bought my contract for oh, right. Invictus. Excellent. Because you did two albums with those, didn't you, with uh, ABC? I did two albums, Pain and Pleasure and Out of Pain Comes Love. Yeah. And uh, from Pain and Pleasure, here's the single release, It's Yours to Have. Um, you moved on to Capital after two albums, and uh, of course you were with Stablemates Tavares, released a single that did very well across here in the UK, I Want to See You Soon. Yeah, right, they asked me to uh, do a duet with them, mm. and I thought I did that when I was, while, while I was still at Capital, yeah. Yeah, it's a great track, did very well over here. Let's give it a play. There's the single release from the Stairs and Whispers LP. That's Love Magnet. Lovely. Um, so three albums at Capital, one of which, um, Stairs and Whispers, uh, was your debut LP, has got a, a track with you as a songwriter. At that time, I was married to Gregory Abbott, and, uh, and we did write, um, I was involved, he got me to write some stuff, and we did it together. One such track was called Bring Back the Joy. Let's give it a play. Lovely. Working with producer Frank Wilson as well, ex-Motan man. Yeah, Frank Wilson was the, fir- was the first one that produced my album on Capitol mm-hmm. that was called Stairs and Whispers. That was yeah. Frank Wilson, Great. the late Frank Wilson. Yeah, bless him. He was a sweet, very, very wonderful man, yeah. very... Uh, he, you know, he became um, um, a pastor. He had his right. own church and following. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I wasn't aware of that. Um, talking yeah. of songwriting, Sherry uh, wrote you a song, didn't she, for Supernatural High album, your second album on uh, Capital, called Storybook Romance. Let's have a listen. You got some uh, some real talented lineup of songwriters on that LP. Skip Scarborough, David Crawford. He wrote a lot of stuff for Candy Staten, didn't he? Tom Bell. Yeah, Denise Williams wrote a song on oh, that yeah. album too. Supernatural High it was called Falling in Love. Oh, lovely. We'll listen to that next. lovely um so we had a bit of a shift in style when you went to hot in 1979 that was a more out and out disco album uh saving yeah. it saving it and can't wait two big tracks off there that was a yeah that was a good song can't wait <laughs> yeah that was a good song i like that one a lot like it i love it let's give it a spin
great song. Oh, and another song I did. Yeah. Uh, I get high on I get high on your memories. Called I get high on your memory. All right. A rap artist by the name of Stylus took that song and sampled it. And what they did was they sped up my voice. And but then he he was rapping about drugs and oh. all that kind of stuff and charming and uh, I didn't um, I I think I didn't we didn't like it at all so I went after it, it was a hit though it was being, oh, right. it was the video was being played uh, you know a lot and uh, on TV and elsewhere and and uh, that was called I get high on your memory that was another one let's give it a play. Right. I, really, I still like that song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talking of TV, you got your own TV show around that time, didn't you? Tell me about Today's Black Woman. Okay, that was in the early 80s, like 1981 and 82. I did that for almost two years. And it was when I was, uh, it was done in New York. Mm-hmm. And we did a few episodes here in L.A. as well. But it started out in New York, and it was called Today's Black Woman. It was a talk show. Okay. It only just once a week, and it came, it was, I think it was, it came on on a Saturday. It was either Saturday or Sunday, like early in the morning. And uh, it was ABC, uh, you know, syndicated, uh, network syndicated. Uh-huh. And But I had no, there was no live audience. Right. It was strictly that kind of you know, like it was just me and 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 a, and a setting, like sort of like almost like a, you know, like not kind of like a living room yeah. or uh, a sitting room. Two chairs setting. and a coffee table, sort of a thing, and uh, just a, a one-to-one yeah. chat. Right. Lovely. Get right, it. and and then whatever the subject was, there were various subjects we covered. You know, we sometimes we had a personality, a celebrity. Sometimes it was a politician. Mm-hmm like a Vernon Jordan or Jesse Jackson, All right. or sometimes uh, and, and, uh, Maya Angelou, uh, who was a, um, a, you know, a poet and an author, um, different things like that. And sometimes we did, we covered subjects like rape, you oh. know, and uh, things like that. Yeah. So did you relocate to New York then? Because shortly after you uh, brought out a, a record on New York's Sutra label, didn't you? A tra- track called In Motion? Yeah, that was... That was Sutra, right. That was Sutra, Art Cast, and um, it was one song, it was called In Motion, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, should have been a great, was on its way to be a big hit, but that was another thing that happened where um, uh, the the executive at the record company wanted to uh, put me, he wanted to do something else with it, and and he he didn't want to keep the the original producer who did it. And at the time, um, I was working with Edmund Silvers. Uh-huh. And Edmund had originally produced it, and his brother, Leon Silvers, yep. had done the track. Because the Silvers were a, a Los Angeles so disco band, weren't they? They were uh, R&B pop. They were R&B. Okay. They were like a pop group. They were like the Jackson Five. All right. At one time, they were like neck and neck with the Jackson wow. Five. Wow! That would have been back in the seventies, uh, yeah. and then in the eighties, of course, um, 
the Jackson Five, of course, went you know took off and got to be much much bigger. And of course, Michael became uh, uh, a shooting star. You know, yeah. he became the 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 one, the anointed yes. one. I yes, would of say, course. of and, course. Uh, but Edmund Silvers was the lead singer of of uh, the Silvers. Mm-hmm. That was they were called the Silvers, and Edmund was the um, was primarily the lead singer. Right. So he, uh, you know, he and I were very close. We were very close back then, and and so he produced me produced that song and uh, for Sutra, and they wanted to take it further, but they didn't want Edmund. Right. And I said, well, if you can't use Edmund, I don't want to. I don't. I'm not interested in doing anything else. Which was now when I now today when I look back on it, I can definitely say. I was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless! I, I, hey, that's sometimes that stand by your man theory doesn't work. No, no, sometimes it doesn't. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Shall we have a listen to the track? This is in motion. You, you uh, moved into film in the 90s, um, Private Obsession, Sprung, Nutty Professor, The Clumps. Did you enjoy well, that? I basically, the, the obsession wasn't that much. It was a very small, very, you know, not that great of a, of a, of a part. Uh, the, the, most, the film that I felt more involved in, and that was a, a more of a bigger deal to me, was that something I did in 1974, and that was The Book of Numbers. That was produced, oh. directed by um, Raymond St. Jock. Okay. Raymond St. Jock, he was, the, he, he was the star, he was the lead, and he also directed it. Right. You know, and, uh, and it was an it was a embassy film, uh, Fabergé, yeah, an embassy, an embassy film. So That's what it was. Which which medium gives you the biggest kick? I mean, you've done TV, film, you've done treading the boards, obviously, your singing career. Which medium really fires you up? Oh, wow. Interesting question. I I like, can I tell you, I like it all. Yeah. I like it all because it gives me a chance to express myself, to do what I do. And, uh, of course, I love performing. I love live performances. I really do. I like performing in front of, of an audience uh, and uh, with a great band and uh, and a great audience and, and whoever else might be on the, on the bill with me. Sometimes it's just me. Sometimes I perform, I perform a lot just by just me alone. I'm just the, uh, I'm in a full concert mode where, yeah. it's, where it's just me. Excellent. Mm-hmm. You went back into the studio in 2001 for an album called Come See About Me. Um, right, that was a, that was, yeah, that was 2000, Come See About Me. Yeah, that was produced by Preston Glass. Yeah. But, I so, think it really came out in, two, 19, came out in 2000, okay. I believe. So what was it like getting back into the studio then? Did it uh, reignite the fire? Some nice tunes on there. At This Moment is one of my favourites. That was at this moment. That was um, Billy Vera. Oh right. Yeah, that's why we did it because because it, it was such he he had such a big hit on it. Lovely, lovely track. Billy Vera. He wrote he wrote at this moment. 
Well, a couple of years later, you returned to your jazz roots, um, performing a show called Love and Pain with Darlene Love. And that got, was yeah. getting rave reviews, wasn't it? You performed it in New York and in, uh, yeah, in Los Angeles. Great. That was great. Yeah, that was really great. Uh, I had a, we had a good time. It was, I loved working with Darlene. She's got so much energy, and she's yeah. such a dynamic person. So we both had... It was, this was, we were brought together by um, Michael Feinstein. All right. And Michael Feinstein is a great artist himself. Um, uh, he had, he, uh, he put it together along with his manager. And uh, they brought us together and they said, we have this wonderful idea. It's, we want to call it Love and Pain. Yeah. And uh, it was sort of like we were... We were both, you know, we played off of each other. I sang some songs, she sang some songs, and then we did songs together. Great. Lovely. Because you really enjoy jazz, don't you? That was where um, uh, your sort of professional career started. And it's also um, very much the genre of your most recent uh, most recent LP, Come Back To Me Love. Oh, Come Back To Me Love. That was a, a, a fantastic mm. achievement. It was with big band and strings. And it was done here in Hollywood at Capitol Records. Beautiful. It's like a full uh, circle, isn't it? I mean, tracks like Lately and I Just Have to Know. Just such beautiful records. Oh, uh, yeah. It was called, yeah, that was called Lately. I'm confused. Oh, yeah, that was a good song. All, a lot of the songs. Yeah. Which ones did you like the most? I Just Have to Know. Oh, I just have to know. Mm. That's a good one. Absolutely. It certainly is. And here it is. So, we just listened to a beautiful track called I Just Have to Know, taken from your latest CD, Come Back to Me Love. And you know, that was written by uh, Gretchen Valet Carhart. Oh, who no. owns the label, by the way. That was <laughs> right. written by her and uh, Tom Robinson, her writing partner. Right. Your last recording um, output was 2014. Have you got any plans to go back in the studio at all, treat us to some more stuff? I have. I've been, I've been in the studio this summer. Oh, fantastic. And I've, I've done um, four duets with different artists, and I w it's not out yet, nope. it's, but it's coming. And uh, I did a duet with Johnny Mathis, oh. and this is Big Band and Strings. Uh -huh. And then I did a duet with with Kenny Lattimore. All right. And I did a duet with Dee Dee Bridgewater, and then I did a duet with Kurt Elling. Okay. Kurt Elling is a Grammy Award. He is a Grammy Award winner in the jazz category, male jazz category. Wow. Fantastic! He's probably one of the one of the better or best jazz singers out there now. Not an artist I'm familiar with, but I will certainly look him up on your recommendation. Yeah, yeah, Kurt Elling, look him up. Right, we'll have to see if we can get you at the Jazz Cafe or Ronnie Scott's or uh, the Hideaway, three great London venues, and uh, listen to your new material. But talking of London venues, we're not ever so far away from your next visit to the UK, are we? Because uh, on November the 30th, you're coming to London as part of the right. Motown and Soul Legends in concert. Tell me about that. Well, I haven't... Well, it's, I guess it's, I'm looking forward to it because I get a chance to... Um, 
reunite with some of my old friends like Sheila Ferguson. I yeah. think she's going to be on the program. She is from Three Degrees, yeah. Yes, Sheila Ferguson mm-hmm. singing, you know, doing her solo, her solo thing. Yeah. And Martha Reeves, and I just saw Martha back in Detroit, oh, by the way, because, yeah. And uh, Alexander O'Neill, it'll be interesting because I've never worked with him before. <laughs> it will be interesting. I saw him um, perform. He performed at our hometown in Newark uh, two years ago. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Newark, New Jersey? No, Newark, England, the original. Oh, okay. Because I understand he's been um, living over there now. Yes, yes, I believe so. I believe so. So I'm looking forward to meeting him and working with him. I think he was he was also an artist that was on a, a label that was uh, run by Clarence Avant. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. The Black Godfather. Yeah. yeah, the Black Godfather. Absolutely. And I, Clarence I saw it. was my manager back oh, in really? the 60s. Oh, really? I didn't know that. So, this concert was, that you're performing, was, November well the 30th, done. it's at the City Pavilion Romford in East London. Uh, I know it's a great venue with lots of available parking, about 700 lots, I think. Uh, show starts at 730 for more information, you can find all that out at MotownAndSoulLegends.com and get your tickets there. They're going fast. Um, are you uh, excited about performing there? Because you're only doing one date in the UK, aren't you? Only one date. And I'm so... I'm re- I, I really feel like I just wish I were going to be doing more dates. I would love to... I hate to fly that far. <laughs> I had to do one, you know, one show. Although I've done that many times. Yeah, I'm sure. I flew to Australia and I did one concert. Oh, sure. Well, all, and, uh, all I can say that's is even further away. bring a big coat because it's, uh, it's going to be a lot different to uh, the sunny climbs of Los Angeles, I'm afraid. It's very wet at the moment. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. I have, cl- I have, um, my, I have clothes to accommodate and Good. boots. I know. Excellent. So what's your webpage called, please, Frida? Is it FridaPayne.com? Oh, it's com. And uh, like the new stuff, I just those duets I mentioned, they're not they're not available yet, but they're coming. In so time for Christmas. Out for it. Right. Thank you very much for giving us your time. And I'm uh, also on Facebook, and I'm also on Instagram. Oh, excellent. I have two. I think two uh, pages. I have a regular free to paint, and then I have the legendary free to paint, okay. which is like you know for the fans. Lovely. Thank you very Hi. much for your time. It's been an absolute delight speaking with you. And um, oh, thank you. I hope you have a wonderful time in London. I hope so too. I'm not going to be. I wish I was staying longer, but you know, what can you do? <laughs> what can you do? What can you do? Okay. All righty. Good night. Speak to you soon. Good night. Bye. Bye bye. Right. I'm going to play out now with one of my favourite tracks taken from the LP Hot. Here's the underground disco classic, Saving It. <laughs> 